from the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. And Magic Johnson is out there celebrating! Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe, from way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron, for three for the win, yes! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan. Yes! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and for this week's episode, you will get to hear part two of my Tears podcast conversation with Justin Matcham. And uh, if you missed last week's episode, we covered the first two tiers on our list, which was title favorites and title contenders. And the teams we talked about in that episode included the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz, the Golden State Warriors, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, and the Miami Heat. So uh, if you're looking for our thoughts for the upcoming season for those eight teams, please go back and and check out part one, which came out last Wednesday. And uh, for this episode, we will talk about uh, the majority of the, the other 22 teams. The tiers that we cover in this episode include dangerous playoff teams, which uh, essentially is uh, teams that we're very confident are going to make the playoffs. And also we believe they could make some noise once they get there winning a round or two. And then the, uh, the fourth tier we have is playoff hopefuls. So teams that we think will be fighting for, uh, you know, lower end seating and uh, likely competing in that, uh, that play in bracket or, you know, coming up just short of that. And then the final tier being, lottery bound teams the teams that we expect to miss the playoffs and uh, be battling it out for uh, for draft positioning it was a really fun conversation we recorded this prior to that three teamer between the the bulls blazers and calves which involved uh, lowry markinen larry nance jr Derek jones jr and some picks so uh we we do talk about uh, those teams with uh, without that knowledge going in so keep that in mind but uh, I don't believe it uh, really would have changed any of the the tiers that we had any of those three teams in the the one that uh, I would have considered maybe moving up a little bit would be the Portland Trailblazers with the acquisition of Nance Jr but all in all I think Justin and I feel pretty similar today as we would have felt when we uh, when we recorded it but uh, without further ado please enjoy a part two of our tiers conversation. So I've got six teams in the dangerous playoff team tier. I believe I also have six. Let me double count. Yep, I have six. Okay, so let's see if, uh, well, we're, we're obviously going to have at least, um, we might have the Warriors and Heat flipped. I don't know if you have the Warriors in this category. I do have the Warriors in this category. Okay, so I have the Heat in this one. So my other five outside of the Heat okay. would be the Atlanta Hawks, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Dallas Mavericks, the Boston Celtics, and the Los Angeles Clippers. So we do have some some differences here. Okay, good. So my list is the Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, the Atlanta Hawks, 
the Chicago Bulls, oh. the Golden State Warriors, and the New York Knicks. Okay. So this is going to be very interesting because, yeah, I think we have a vastly different yes. uh, opinion of the Chicago Bulls. Should, should we, we start with them? Do we want to start? I, I have them a couple pegs down on my list. Like I have okay. them fourth, the fourth East team in this tier behind Philly, Boston, and Atlanta. But yeah, no, I, I don't love what the Bulls did this offseason, to be completely honest with you, because I think they cap out at this. But I do think they're going to be good this year. Like, I think they're going to be a really good – like, I think they're going to be a good team. I think that's what they were hoping for. I think it was a little short-sighted. I think they were a little bit panicking because they wanted to just put a good team around Zach Levine as quickly as they could. Um, and I, I don't love the ceiling of this team. I don't think that they are a championship contender by any stretch. But I can see the Chicago Bulls, if things break right, maybe making it to an Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, I don't see that at all. <laughs> yeah, let's <laughs> let's break it down. So I guess my my big concern again when we talk about teams that you know when we're talking about title contenders, I think like yeah, being top ten on both ends of the floor. When I think about making a conference finals, I'm thinking like you probably got to be above average on both ends, or either yeah. really elite on one end and then maybe slightly mm-hmm. below average on the other. Uh, I I don't know how this Bulls defense is good at all with. You know, your starting lineup is going to, presuming DeRozan starts. Yeah. You've got DeRozan, You've got two Levine, glaring negatives in and DeRozan and Vooch. And Levine, I think, is also a, a I negative, think even though he, take a step forward. he showed more with Team USA. That's for sure. And I think not having to take on as big of an offensive load. I think Team USA showed that. And I, I don't want to say, oh, he was a good defender for Team USA. That means he's going to be a good defender next year. Like, I, but I do think that showing that, like, when he doesn't have to carry as much of an offensive load, that maybe he can focus his efforts more on that end of the floor. So I don't think he's going to be a big negative on that end. Okay. But even let's say he is a small negative and you've got a couple other bigger negatives in DeRozan and Vucevic. See, I don't even know if he's a small negative. I think he's a neutral guy. Levine? I think Levine is a neutral guy. I think that would be quite a leap if he gets to neutral I think year. he's a neutral guy. I think DeRozan and Vuce are clear negatives. I think Pat Williams is a pretty solid, and I think Lonzo is a really good. I think Alex Caruso, Caruso yeah. is a really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you have shot creation off the bat and Kobe White. Off How the about bench. backup defensive front court? It's a question. It's a question. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I like Tony Bradley. I think what he's going to be able to provide them, I think – Finally getting, you know, a clear role on a team. I think Tony Bradley is going to establish himself as a good backup center. I thought he was probably better than Dwight Howard in six for the Sixers last year um, as a backup guy. And then obviously he got shipped off to OKC and nobody from OKC has ever heard from again at this point. So, yeah. you know, we didn't hear anything about Tony Bradley. I thought he was fine. I was kind of surprised the Thunder let him go. Um, but I think that that's going to be like a good on both ends type of guy for them, who again is more of just an energy player. Uh, There is kind of a glaring hole as far as who is going to play backup power forward minutes for this team right now. I think it's probably going to be Larry Markin at this point. I think he ends up taking his qualifying offer. I don't see any other offers out there for him right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's crazy that he still hasn't signed anything at this point. Yeah, it is. Uh, But I don't see him getting more money elsewhere at this point. Um, 
I don't think he wants to sign a long-term deal if it's not going to be for big money. I don't see why you wouldn't just take an $8 million one-year deal, prove it. Even if you're coming off the bench, you're on a good team, you know, that maybe you get a chance to play in the playoffs and, you know, make your money there. But even if it is Laurie Markman who they end up with off the bench, uh, gives you just another offensive threat that doesn't play that well with Vooch. But if you do just play him with Tony Bradley, um, maybe you experiment with him at center. I don't know how well that's going to work. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think that this team has enough to go to. I think I, I'm also a Troy Brown believer. I just want to see him get an opportunity. And I think he's going to be another guy who can make a real impact off the bench as just another playmaker that they can have that they can go to. Again, not going to be someone who you're going to ask to guard fours. And that is a legitimate problem for this team right now. Um, Patrick Williams is going to be asked to do a lot in that regard. Uh, we're probably going to see plenty of DeRozan at the four minutes, which may be his best defensive matchup at this point in time. Um, but overall, I just think they have a lot of options to go to on offense. And I think that they're going to be really, really versatile. I think they've added playmakers um, around Levine and Vucevic, which is going to really, really just elevate those two. Um, and I just think they have a chance to be explosive on offense. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people suggest like, oh, the Bulls defense last year was better than than a lot than than everyone thought they uh, I heard a lot of people saying they finished 12th. Well, on cleaning the glass, which excludes garbage time, they were 15th, which, okay. you know, <laughs> better, better than you would think. Yeah. But also, you know, Vooch only played 26 games yes. there. They got no yes. they didn't have any DeRozan of that season. They also had Thad Young, who was terrific defensively. Mm-hmm. Garrett Temple. Thomas Sadoransky, yes. they're both gone. So, yes, you did add Lonzo. You did add Alex Caruso. But, frankly, I think you've lost more defense going out than you brought in. And, yeah, like, again, DeRozan is such a negative on the defensive end. Uh, I I really do question their ability to, to be, like, averaged, even a slightly above average. And then on the offensive end, DeRozan is one of those guys where you do just kind of say, well, Levine was so efficient and so good offensively last year. If they're starting and playing a lot of minutes together, you know, DeRozan is not effective. It's the same as the Westbrook problem. He's not effective effective? off the ball. Is he not effective at all off the ball? I don't think he's very effective. He's probably a little bit more active moving than than Westbrook is. And I just uh, think as a ball mover, DeRozan does so in a way like he doesn't just dominate the ball in the way that a Westbrook does. Yeah. Um, but like there is like an element of, let's say, you know, he's, he's not terrible off the ball, but he's still a negative off the ball. There is this it's idea the, of, it, it, he is not a perfect fit next to Levine. Yeah. Definitely you, say that. The idea is then, well, let's put the ball more into DeRozan's hands and then you're taking the ball away from your team's best player. But at the same time, I think you put the ball, I mean, having a second creator next to Levine is not the worst thing in the world. And Levine is good enough as an off ball shooter. Well, and I think in turn, especially if they stagger them, I think it's good to have that mm-hmm. extra guy mm-hmm. for sure. But I think even if you're playing them together, like Levine is a good enough off ball player on his own to where like he can be a devastating off ball movement guy, as far as just another shooting threat. Um, I think he's going to be really, really good next to Vooch on offense, to be clear on offense. Um, somebody who can just, again, get the ball to him. And, you know, that two-man game is going to be really fun to watch. Obviously, Lonzo is somebody who just kind of connects all the pieces together as far as the offense goes and transition. Uh, I I believe in his shot at this point. I think that's just another Mm -hmm. guy who you can 
trust to play off the ball and spot up in the corners or on the wing and again, be an effective player. I just, I, you know, I think it, on low volume, Patrick Williams shot what 39, 38% from three last year. Um, I just think that there are so many different things that this team can do on offense to where even if DeRozan is having to play off ball um, and he doesn't have the ball in his hands at this given time, and maybe he's not being maximized in that way, you still have enough on the floor to where it's not like, it's not even a Lakers problem to where, you know, okay, Russell Westbrook isn't the greatest guy to have on ball right now. And it kind of hurts because we don't really have another spacer around him. Like we got other non-shooters on the floor. I think if, if you have Lonzo, Levine, Pat Williams and Vooch as the other four guys on the floor around, you know, DeRozan, even if he's not being utilized all the way, I think that there's enough around there to where like that won't stick out like a sore thumb. I think he can yeah. still kind of blend in. Yeah. Like I, I, I think there's a theory where I'm not as high on the bulls for the regular season or potential postseason, but like I, I can see it as far as them, you know, having a good regular season and getting to that like six, five seed, maybe in the yes, yeah, And that's what I think they'll and do. The, and, and that would, I still feel like that would require a pretty big leap from, from Patrick Williams. That would require. They're going to rely on him heavily this year. If they them don't do anything not being spot. like a top or a bottom 10 defense. And then also it would require, you know, the, the Billy Donovan figuring out the staggering of, of Levine and, and, and DeRozan, of course. Yeah. But the challenge I have with like you putting them in this category as dangerous playoff teams, which we categorized as potentially making a conference finals is given the playoff struggles that we've seen from DeRozan and Vooch, two of their top three guys. Levine, of course, has not even had a playoff opportunity. A lot of this roster has never seen the postseason. I struggle to see them winning around, let alone two in an Eastern Conference where we've got a top four or five, I think, that's pretty solid. I think that Vooch and DeRozan have both struggled being the featured guy in a playoff team, and neither of them are going to be the featured guy. You have two guys who are not going to have to be the featured guy who can play off of the featured guy. No, that's fair. I think that's that fair. they can play off of Levine mm-hmm. and be effective in their roles rather than having to create for everyone. And in that role, I do think they will be better than they have been in years past. Um, and don't get me wrong. Look, I think the DeRozan contract was a horrendous overpay like that, yeah. that, that. That is clear. And I don't like them doing that. I was really high on their offseason until the DeRozan. Yeah, me too, kind of. But at the, and like I said, like I don't like all the moves long term, but that doesn't change my mind as far as them still being good this year. Mm-hmm. Like I still think that like this is probably going to be as good as it gets for them because I'm not sure, you know. Well, one, I don't think they get much better from here just because unless Levine takes like another leap to being like a real like MVP candidate, um, I'm just not sure where the improvement comes from. I'm not sure, you know maybe DeRozan stays on this level. And if he does cool, even if he does, he's still not living up to the contract. Maybe Vooch stays at this level. Maybe he starts to tail off a little bit. Um, One thing I do just want to say about this team. um, They are potentially, and I understand why they haven't done anything yet because the large marketing situation is weird. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are just going to wait to see what happens with him before they make any decisions about, you know, kind of that power forward spot on the roster. 
but are they not the perfect Paul Millsap team? Hmm. Yeah, I've always liked um, Paul Millsap going to Phoenix as like a, a different version of a backup five for them instead yeah. of McGee. But yeah, I, I think that would be a decent fit as well. I think that he's my favorite. I think that might be like my favorite fit of all the remaining free agents at this point mm-hmm. is Paul Millsap in Chicago being, again, that guy who can give them defense in that second unit along with Caruso. And I think he can play along with all their starters as well. Um and that's the thing about Patrick Williams that I really like too. I'm not sure if you're going to align him to play a ton of small forward, but I think in the right lineups he can. Um, but it, you know, I, I think the, the power, the backup power forward spot doesn't look good right now because they're waiting on the marketing situation. But I think they do get something figured out there. Yeah. You know, I, I, they're not going to obviously enter the season with that spot bare, and they're going to get somebody, mm-hmm. whether that's marketing, whether that's Millsap, whether that's someone else. You know, maybe it's not as good if it's someone else, but it's still something. Um, and just looking at the second unit, like I think Kobe white as a creator is going to just be another option to where like you can have two or three of those guys in the starting lineup off the floor and still have enough offense with Kobe white. Yeah. That was my, that was another one of my issues with the DeRozan signing is I feel like that takes away a lot. It does take away. It does take away quite a bit of the reps for him. And I think he does definitely get the short end of the stick this off season, as far as what the bulls are building towards, Mm -hmm. but I still think he's going to be an incredibly useful player for him. Absolutely. Well, let's get to uh, the teams that we had at the, the very top of this tier. So you had Philly at the top. Is that correct? And, I did. And then Atlanta. And then Boston. Oh, yeah. okay. So I'm, I'm higher on Atlanta. I've got Atlanta at the top. Okay. And then Philly at number two. So okay. let's, let's talk about those couple of teams. Which one do you want to talk about first? <sighs> want to start with Atlanta? Sure. So I guess for me, you know, you look at what they did, last postseason they had a great run right mm-hmm. you've got this offensive engine in Trey yes. Young who I think at this point is a guy that if he's healthy with decent players around him which they've got a lot of depth in Atlanta now that he's going to get you near near top 10 if not higher than that on the offensive end and then Nate McMillan is a coach with Clint Capella there they've got some decent defenders and hopefully if uh, you know DeAndre Hunter can come back and, and give them a full season uh, they they've got enough defensive talent and an infrastructure there that I think, you know, they can be close to average again. Uh, and so, yeah. you know, you talk about how young this team is. I feel like that, again, we, we spoke about that with, with Phoenix and how I expect a lot of their young guys to improve because of their run. I expect the same out of Atlanta. And I just think, you know, if you've got the star and young, you've got depth, you've got a good coach. You've got a young roster that's all going to get better. I, I see this team being right up there in the top of the Eastern Conference fighting for like the, the two or three seed. I think it's certainly possible. I don't know if I'm going to go with the two or three seed. Um, I mean, I'm expecting Brooklyn one, Brooklyn, probably Milwaukee, Milwaukee I think two. Are pretty solid. So maybe three, four, fighting for three, four. Yeah, I definitely can see that happening. And I think, you know, you, you'd take a look at a team like Miami, which I'm higher on. Uh, I still don't know if that team is going to be a dominant regular season team because yeah. they're not playing for the regular season. Right. Um, I, I think it's very realistic that Atlanta could end up with number three. I think they could end up with six. I think they could be a playing team. I think wow. they could fall all the way to seven. I don't see that. Because there are that many good teams in the East. I guess if Trey Young got hurt and missed if an extended Trae Young chunk misses of time. If Trey Young misses an extended yeah. time. If, and, I mean, that's 
you know, there are so many different factors that could come into play, but you're looking at Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Miami, Philadelphia, Boston, Chicago, Atlanta. That's, you know, seven teams right there. I think. I like Toronto too. And Toronto's in that too. Mm -hmm. So is New York. Yeah. So is Indiana. Like there's so many good teams here to where, like, I think, I think that that's another reason why I'm a little lower on Chicago is because I feel like a lot of Chicago is not well, necessarily I, better than any of those. Teams. And I do have Chicago in a tier below, like, well, not in a tier below, but I do have them below uh, Philly, Boston, Atlanta. Like I, I have them below that group. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of have them in the middle. That's not to say that they couldn't slip further because yeah. there are just so many teams here. Um, and, and it is so close between, you know, I, I say Philly, Boston, Atlanta, even Chicago, like, I think that those four teams all have a real shot at making it to the conference finals this year. And as far as where they finish in the standings, I, I said Philly first, I said Boston second. I'm not very confident in those picks because anything can happen here. Yeah, uh, They are going to be so close. Uh, but I did give Philly the, the edge. Um, well, I guess we can talk about Atlanta a little bit first. Yeah. I'm curious. So like, Barring the the huge tray on the injury again, we're going into this like just presuming average injury luck for mm-hmm, all of these mm-hmm. teams. Yeah, yeah. So barring that crazy situation where Trey Young misses forty games, what's the argument for why even though Atlanta just beat Philly in the playoffs, they're a younger team? They're I I feel like um, I think Atlanta did more this off season to improve their roster with the draft and with Delon the Delon Wright acquisition retaining Lou Williams. Mm-hmm than Philly did to improve their roster. So, yeah, what's what's the argument for why you've got Philly above above Atlanta here? And, again, albeit in the same tier. Yeah. Um, well, Andre Drummond, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Atlanta with me, it's another thing of, I think, and obviously they didn't even deal with a lot of injury luck. You know, like, as far as, like, what they played up against. Like they played a healthy Knicks team. They played a healthy Sixers team. Minus Danny Green, but they also didn't have DeAndre Hunter. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I just don't know if I see any of their young guys taking a leap. Okay. I think DeAndre Hunter is going to be good. I think if he's just available though, that is essentially it is compared to last Okay. And I'll give you that. Um, Cam Reddish, I think, is going to continue to be inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a big Reddish guy, despite the fact that he he did impress me at moments in the playoffs. Oh, he had some huge moments in the playoffs when he came back, uh, which was very impressive. But, like, if you're banking on that. I don't think they are, though. Again, they got I, depth I, everywhere. They do, but, like, I don't, I, I don't see that happening, really. I don't see that becoming a consistent thing. John Collins is good. I think he proved that he can play next to Clint Capella next year, which is important or last year he did rather, which is important. I think both of those guys are going to be very good again this year. Again, I don't really see them taking a leap. I'm just not sure where it happens for them on this roster. Like they're going to be continually, they're going to be very good across the board again. And if they get the right matchups, um, I see them being a conference finals team again, that probably doesn't have a chance against probably doesn't have a chance against Milwaukee or Brooklyn, whoever they end up facing. Um, as far as why I have them ahead of Philly or behind Philly or, or behind Philly rather. Yeah. I do just, again, believe in the top end talent of 
Joel Embiid and star number two, wherever mm-hmm. that ends up being. And are you assuming here with this? Are you assuming I they're think, trading Simmons at some point? Or I think I have to operate under the assumption that it happens at some point. Yeah. Even if it isn't for another star, because obviously we just had the star hunting conversation. Um, I do think teams, I, I think that Ben Simmons is going to net more than Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga and James Wiseman is going to net you. So whatever the return ends up being, uh, I do think it's going to be like pieces that really help your team. And it does, again, have the possibility. I think it is more realistic that it happens to where you do get that star guy that, you know, vaults you up into the the, the tier one, possibly. You know, if they get Damian Lillard, which I'm not saying is going to happen, I don't think it is going to happen. That puts them in tier one for me. Um Interesting. Yeah, I would, I would, I would definitely put them into the title contender tier. I don't know if it would, if I would still say that they're as good as the Nets at that point. But yeah, they'd be in the conversation. They'd be in the conversation, though, and I'd probably have to think a little bit more about it myself. But I do just believe in the top end talent um, that they have. And again, it's a toss up. I think maybe the tiebreaker is just that I do think that maybe they get something else for Simmons that works better. Yeah. For what this team already has, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that ends up being. And I think that is maybe good enough because I, I still believe that just looking at like individual talents, Philadelphia edged out Atlanta. It just kind of blew up for Philadelphia in that one series that Ben Simmons just kind of turned off. And I don't want to say checked out, but was just kind of turned off as an effective basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um in kind of an outlier way that I just feel like you don't see happening from teams. So, yeah, I, I do think Atlanta has consistency working for them and continuity working for them. Um, and I do like that for them. I like the DeLon Wright acquisition. I think having him as another ball handler who can play next to Trey, uh, that kind of takes away the need for uh, Trey Lou Williams minutes together. Right. Which, and I love that they have the option to go with DeLon Wright or Lou Williams, depending on the matchup mm-hmm. as yeah. well, or if, or just depending on if your offense is struggling or your defense. Yeah. Is yeah. And that is something that you can go to that. I, I do like that extra little wrinkle for them. I think turning Chris Dunn into that was a, a good move by them, but at the end of the day, I just, I don't know if I see a leap coming for Atlanta. I expect them to be, right there again next year is just another good team with a shot just like everyone else. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, especially if we're comparing what Atlanta did last year, for instance, like they just had so many injuries during the regular season. Bogdanovich missed a lot Mm -hmm. of time. DeAndre Hunter, of course, Gallo missed a bunch of time. Okongwu did as well. So, and he's going to miss the start of this Mm -hmm. next season, but, uh, um, Gorgie Jang, we didn't even mention him. I think he's another yeah, Gorgie guy. Yeah, Jang that, is just uh, another wrinkle into that team that is definitely going to be helpful. But um, to your comment about young players on Atlanta not expecting any leaps, I'll throw this name at you. How about Trey Young taking a leap? I would say he's the most likely for me that given his age and his quality, I would expect him to, to, to make at least a small jump. Do you expect his playoff performance next year to be better than the one he had this year? Oh, that's tough. I mean, he was very good. He was very good, and he um, took them really far. He took them further than I thought he could this past season. Yeah. Um, I would say it's more likely that his regular season performance sure. takes a yeah. lead. I think, that's, I think that that's feasible. But I think he can replicate what he did again in the mm-hmm. postseason. So do I. Um, 
but yeah, they're, they're a team that I really like, but yeah, again, I had, I had Philly right below Atlanta. So I, yeah. I brought this up because I do think it's an interesting discussion. It, it, it is a bit of a toss up, but I yeah. just feel like, I think whatever ends up happening with Ben Simmons, uh, even if he does start the year with them, I think something ends up happening and they get pieces that just make more sense for that team. And the collective of those pieces along with Joel, along with Tobias Harris is still, I think a better talent team. Yeah. I, at least at the top. I mean, yeah, they got the best player in Embiid, but if you're saying like players two through 10, <laughs> I would probably go Atlanta. But see, uh, like but, if you get, say, okay, so you're either getting another star for Ben Simmons or you're getting a collection of really good complementary players. And if you get a combination of really good complementary players, can you say that two through 10? I don't think we know the answer to that because we don't know who those guys would be. Yeah. But I do think it definitely becomes more of a conversation then than it is now. Right. And I also think there's just, to me, there's still a question mark as to obviously Daryl Morey has a very inflated opinion of Ben Simmons and, and, or he's just, you know, he's doing this because he's hoping a team will Mm -hmm. just throw out a ridiculous offer. Mm -hmm. So you start with that and you work your way down. Yeah. You you hope he's not overplaying his hand. You do understand the the value and, and valuing your guy unreasonably high because you want to set the bar high. Yeah. But it will be interesting to see if he does overplay his hand and if maybe it does end up burning him in the end. Right. Like, you know, I think a CJ McCollum swap would be a really good outcome. You know, getting a player of that caliber for Ben Simmons, I think would be. Maury doesn't seem to think so. <laughs> right. So then to me, it's like, if, if that's not the case, I don't see them getting offered anything better than that. Mm-hmm. And then does he just keep Simmons? And in that case, I, you know, there's, there's still plenty of issues that this mm-hmm. team has that they didn't solve from last year. Um, but let's let's talk about the Celtics because it's another team that we both had in this in this tier, mm-hmm. and you had them third. Is that right in this tier? I had them second. Oh, I had second. Them right oh, right above Atlanta. Yes. Um, so I had them fifth in this tier behind Atlanta, Philly, Miami, and Dallas. Okay. Um, but uh, I mean, it really just probably comes down to the fact that they have Jason Tatum, who's a you know, approaching a top 10 level player and Jalen Brown, who's probably another top 30 guy Mm -hmm. in the NBA. And those two guys alone at their age, given that they've got a decent supporting cast, you know, if, if Jalen Brown was healthy last year, they might've actually challenged the Nets a little bit in that first round series. And I think that Al Horford is also going to give them more than Kemba Walker did. Interesting. Um, Yeah. I, I just think stylistically that fit is a lot better for this team. And I think, a lot of what they lost in Kemba, they got back in Dennis Schroeder. Not to say they got that back entirely, but, I mean, we talked about this a little bit off air about the whole Dennis Schroeder conversation and, you know, what his role ends up being on this team. But I think that they – I don't want to say, you know, they, they hit the jackpot on Dennis Schroeder because I don't know if Dennis Schroeder is really a jackpot. Yeah. But um, they lucked out in getting him mm-hmm. because – he is not worth the taxpayer mid-level. He is worth more than that as a player. Yeah. And the fact that he overplayed his hand um, and just screwed himself into this position where he just kind of fell into Boston's lap, uh, I think is a very, very underrated acquisition. Um, Absolutely. I don't think that we should let the fact that like there just wasn't a market for him uh, because of maybe partially his own doing, partially because he was just coming off of health and safety protocol coming into the playoffs. And again, I think rhythm does matter. And 
not being able to work yourself into a groove does matter. Um, I just don't think he was able to do that. And he did have a very disappointing end last year, but I still think he's going to be a really good player. I think he's still a starting caliber guard in the NBA. Um, and, and, you know, we can have the discussion again of does he start for this team? Do they decide to go with a more switch heavy lineup and go with Marcus Smart at the one? Maybe they put Neesmith in there in the starting lineup. Uh, Neesmith, by the way, again, you know, you don't want to take too much away from summer league, but if he shoots it like he did in summer league, like you're going to be, you know, you're going to feel comfortable really relying on Neesmith for major minutes this year. But um, just having someone like him who can put pressure on the rim, um, having someone who can open up the floor in the way that Orford does, uh, Lockheed and Robert Williams, who, again, you have to hope stays healthy, um, you know, dealt with that all last year. I, I don't think that the Canner addition is going to matter like at all, <laughs> but I mean, he's a, he's a very good third like, center, but yeah, he's a, he's a quality third center, yeah. you know, like you, you, you got, you, you are deep there right now. Um, overall, I just think this team did good things this off season. I think they really lucked into Schroeder. I think that they were fortunate that they were able to get out of the Kemba situation and, get another player who is familiar with your system and is a really good fit with the guys you have right now. And I think you have two top 25 guys, one of which is a top 15 guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the, the Schroeder, the Schroeder fit, I think is great because yeah, this team struggles to get to the basket and that's his biggest strength as a player, his Mm -hmm. quickness, that little right-hand scoop shot, he gets off under the, uh, the shot blockers arm. But uh, yeah, so so obviously adding him is good, and yeah, all of a sudden they're like they're secretly pretty deep, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the acquisition of Josh Richardson. If- Josh Richardson, we didn't even mention as another yeah. guy. Like we were talking about Neesmith being maybe the starter. Josh Richardson might be that guy. They yeah. just gave him a one year extension. You know, I mean, that's somebody who they clearly value. Like, or some people were suggesting maybe you give them him that extension to potentially trade him later in maybe. like a deal offer. But like, or I something. think he's going to be here for at least you know right now. I think that yeah. clearly indicates that. So, but I mean, yeah, they've got Romeo Langford, who I still have holding out some hope for. Yeah, especially I think, plays, as a, I think he's in the rotation. Yeah, um, and yeah, as you mentioned, Neesmith looked great. I was very high on Neesmith coming out of the draft, so it was fun to see him really show out in summer league. But yeah, this team all of a sudden has has a decent amount of depth, and yeah, the Horford. The Horford fit, I think, is good as well because, you know, the the offense, even though Tatum has really turned into a, a great offensive player, Jalen Brown's improved dramatically, it still just feels a little bit like your turn, my turn type stuff when those times. guys have the ball. So having Horford as sort of a dribble handoff facilitator from the mm-hmm. elbows, I think, is going to be nice. And, you know, this team is pretty consistently, at least in the Brad Stevens era, minus last year has been a good defensive group. Mm-hmm. And and I could see that getting back to into the top 10, maybe even borderline top five again. And, you know, you, you still could get uh, some more leaps from, from Tatum and Brown even is as good as the, as much as they've improved the last couple of years that could still happen given their age. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I absolutely could see this team with their, with their star power, with their depth, um, making making a run in the Eastern Conference, and if the bracket you know works out in their favor, getting uh, getting through a couple of rounds. So let's talk about uh, let's see. So the two teams I have left in this tier are the Mavericks and the Clippers. Did you have either of those? In uh, the two teams I had left were the Warriors and the Knicks. Okay, so we talked about the we Warriors about the pretty Warriors. extensively. So I guess 
my question then is, uh, let's talk about the, um, the Knicks then, because this is the one team you have in this tier that I don't. And I should say that the Knicks were at the very top of my next tier okay. in the playoff hopefuls. Um, certainly, I like what they did in the offseason, adding Kemba Walker, adding Evan Fournier. They, um, they retained a lot of their key guys from last year. You're hoping to get some development from their young players. They, mm-hmm. they got a couple through the draft as well yes. that, that looked good. Uh, Grimes and uh, McBride and, and Jericho Sims, who they just got yep. in a two-way. So certainly they've got, they've got depth. They've got a theory for how they want to play. They want to be that sort of the, the new grit and grind mm-hmm. of the Eastern conference. Um, so like to me, like they're, they're very firmly, I think they're a playoff team. I would be pretty surprised if they missed the playoffs in the East, but uh, I still question just when it gets to the playoff scenario, again, I'm right on the border. I had them at the top of the, the playoff hopeful tier I just I struggle to see their offense being good enough. Um, but although, again, yeah, Kemba Kemba gives them that possibility. I think the Knicks viewed themselves as a team that was going to struggle on that end, uh, and they did things about it. They kind of diversified that offensive portfolio. I mean, you added two starting guards and Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier to do just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought back Derrick Rose and Alec Burks who you relied on heavily for that last year. Um, you lose Reggie Bullock, but again, you're just looking at guys who can create off the bounce. Um, you have, I say, I would say five guys in your guard rotation, you know, those four guys and quickly who can do that for you. Yep. Um, I think that the offense is going to look, and we'll see how it looks under Tibbs because you can never be a hundred percent sure how he's going to play with all these guys, but they got a lot better on offense. I think they made a lot of moves to get better on that end. And again, you got to assume health from Kemble Walker, which we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think obviously, you know, the forward positions, RJ Barrett, I'm still not sure if you're going to see him be, you know, an offensive engine by any means. Uh Julius Randle will be interesting to see, you know, just because what happened to him in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if they got anyone to the level of like, okay, like we don't have to keep dumping it to Julius. We can just give it to this guy and that guy can go out and get us a bucket and a half court in a playoff series. Well, that's what's exciting about Kemba, though. I think Kemba can do that. The idea of Randle setting the screen for Kemba Mm -hmm. and Kemba potentially drawing the couple of defenders and getting it to Randle with an advantage where he can, with a head of steam, play four on three. And I think that that is the hope that Kemba still has enough to, one, stay on the floor and be healthy. It's Uh, a big if at this point. Yeah, and two just, you know, still provide enough threat as an offensive player and still have enough burst to where he does get downhill at that level. Um, but yeah, being able to set him up in a pick and roll versus just giving it to Randall on the wing and asking him to bulldoze his way in is going to be a big difference. Um, and I wasn't a big fan of the Knicks offseason when it first started. Uh, when we were announcing all these three-year deals for all these guys with more money than I thought they probably should have spent, um, but then I think it was it was Nerlens who was like at originally like three years thirty two, uh, you know that got that number got knocked down due to unlikely incentives. Uh, we saw pretty much all of their three year signs. I think other than Kemba had player options or not player option team options. Yeah, on the end, and which Fournier's four year deal was also also a team, a team option on the, the end. Yeah. yeah, so that just gives them a ton of versatility moving forward. 
Uh, we've also seen them do non-guarantees in the past where they would just waive guys. Um, the, the nice thing about having team options is that you're going to retain those rights so that you can keep them moving forward. So obviously this is more talking about what they do in the future and not so much this year, but I just, I, I really did enjoy what they did as far as keeping guys around, even if it was an overpay for maybe a guy like Derek Rose, I'm not sure what the market was going to be for him, but I do think Derek Rose is a pretty important player to this team. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, being able to maintain that flexibility past these next two years is going to be, you know, I think it's really going to pay off for them, but yeah, I just think they're still going to be a good defensive team. Uh, I think, they're not going to be as good with Kemba and Fournier playing heavy minutes, but I think that they have really done a fantastic job diversifying their offensive portfolio enough to the point where it's not just going to be a slog every time they step on the floor trying to watch them do things on offense. It's right. not going to be just the absolute slugfest that it has been in the past year. And they did the best thing that they could have possibly done in the offseason to their offense, and that's get rid of uh, Alfred Payton. So <laughs> that too. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, we talk about additions for the Suns. Alfred Payton, maybe I should have put them ahead of the Nuggets. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I, I just think like with, with the Fournier edition, I, I certainly like Fournier over Bullock, especially yes. on the offensive mm-hmm. end with his ability to handle it a little bit, run off ball screens, um, and, uh, you know, just have that versatility. But like him alone, I was thinking, okay, well, yeah, their offense will be a little bit better, but as How you said, much it might better? it might be at the cost of their defense dropping mm-hmm. a little bit. But and then, then Kemba the, the Kemba the situation happened, and you're thinking, okay, now you could possibly see a situation where if Kemba is right again, big if that they could take a leap offensively. Um, so that's the thing for me, and that's why again they were right on the top portion of the playoff hopefuls. I considered them in dangerous playoff teams, but it is pretty much reliant on Kemba Walker being the Kemba Walker of old come playoff time. And yeah, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of question marks around that. And then also, you know, as much as Julius Randle struggled last year, yeah, he obviously, even if Kemba is right, you still need Julius Randle to be much better Mm -hmm. than he was if you're expecting to win a round or two. And I think Kemba can help him with that. Like we said, as far as putting him in the positions to succeed, but Again, you do just have to see it. And if Kemba's not out there, um, how does Julius respond to that? It will be interesting. Uh, just one more note, uh, getting Taz Gibson back, I thought he was really good on defense for him last year. Mm-hmm. Um, getting Nerlens, obviously, as a great rim protector. And Mitchell and Robinson. And get Mitchell Robinson back. Yeah. Who, you know, hardly played at all last season. I think that that's going to be a significant upgrade for them over, you know, maybe those Taz minutes kind of push neurons again into more of a backup role and you have Mitchell out there. Maybe he takes a leap as a player. And I don't know if he's going to take a leap as an offensive player, but that's another, I think you can count as off season addition for this team is someone who just wasn't there last there. Yeah. Their last year rather. Yeah. I mean, another team that just has a ton of depth and which is why I'm very confident about their regular season ability to, to make the playoffs. Cause you know, you've got, You've got, uh, you know, I, I, I trust Julius Randle as a regular season option, and I trust Kemba if he's healthy. So their offense is looking better. I, I'm very confident their defense is going to be good yet again, and they have the depth of talent to deal with injuries, to deal with the wear and tear of a regular season. So let's talk about the couple of Western Conference teams I had in this tier that you did sure. not, the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Clippers. So for me, 
the reason the Mavericks are in this dangerous playoff teams tier is Luka Doncic. I mean, I think there's a case and, you know, I'm, I'm going to record a, uh, a top 30 player pod with Scott Levine at some point this off season, we've done it for three or four years now. And I'm considering I'm no spoilers yet. I haven't made up my mind, but I'm considering putting Luka Doncic as my projected number one player in the NBA for next oh, season. I can't do that. Um, you know, again, two like top six, two straight top six MVP finishes in the regular season, plus two insane mm. playoff performances against a pretty quality defense of the Clippers both years. Uh, Luca is sensational and, you know, he alone, I think gives you a chance in a playoff series. And I think, you know, despite the fact that they didn't have the flashy free agency that you would have hoped for, you know, I would have loved to have seen them go after Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, but, uh, they did add Reggie Bullock. They added Sterling Brown. Mm -hmm. So they, they didn't improve their biggest weakness, which was adding playmaking outside of Luca. But at the same time, I think they improved their strength, which is if you're going to play through Luca, they've added a few more guys that can knock down shots and play defense on the other end. I just don't think they're a conference finals team. Yeah. I don't think they have enough. Like Luca's, they're going to go as far as Luca takes them and no further because they just don't have it around him. Well, I mean, the Clippers made the conference finals and Dallas was very close to beating the Clippers this past year. Yes. Um, I guess it's possible, but I would not put that on them. Uh, yeah, Reggie Bulk is a nice addition. Like, have another shooter on Luca. that's never a bad thing. Like, he's going to be good for him. He was, that was a good value signing at the full mid-level. Sterling Brown is a, another playable quality wing. But I think it's just kind of been overshadowed being on a deep Bucks team, being on the Rockets. Like, I think, you know, being on a, on a good team with a real role, like, he'll, he'll shine as someone who you can trust having out there. The other theory would be that uh, that Porzingis gives you more than he did last See, year. I don't think was... he's going to. I don't think Porzingis is giving you more. <laughs> we've we've seen it though. We've seen from the bubble. He he was he was a much more impactful player in the bubble than he was last year. So there's a theory where maybe he gets a little healthier and and looks more like we saw him from a couple of years ago. But yeah, I, I'm also Man, pretty low just... on Porzingis. But there is there is a possibility. I just don't think it's going to happen with Porzingis. Yeah. We talk about, you know, needing to get playmaking. I mean, Josh Richardson obviously was not a great fit there, but I think you've lost a little bit of playmaking juice in him. Yeah. I mean, they would, they would look so much better if they just still had Seth Curry. Yeah. Yeah. They would look that that was a big mistake by them. And again, getting Reggie Bullock is kind of in that that same type of role as just, you know, an, an elite shooter to have around him. But Obviously doesn't have the creation nice. shot. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what Seth Curry, what mm-hmm. he does so well is, you know, as a as a secondary ball handler, mm-hmm. I think he can create for you. But but yeah, one I I'm not there yet with Luca as a number one next year. I think I can be what more, more what more could he possibly do to to prove to you that he's right there at the top of the well, I think he's right there, like near the top like, like top six. Maybe he makes a case to get into the top three or four this year. But, like, he's not LeBron. He's not Kevin Durant yet. Like, those guys are still – I think he was better than LeBron last year. I don't – when LeBron was healthy. In the playoffs, sure. But, again – the playoffs is what matters. But, yeah, you're you're suggesting – when he wasn't healthy. Yeah. 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 Like, the last time we saw LeBron healthy, he was still the best player in the league. Yeah. 
And I also think Kevin Durant is better than him. And I also think Giannis is better than him. I don't know if he is quite yet in that level of guy. Um, he could be an MVP next season. And you mm-hmm. can convince me of that. Yeah. Like Jokic was the clear deserving MVP this year. It doesn't mean he was the best player in the league. Um, and I think that we'll see something similar. Obviously, they're different players with different games at different positions. But Jokic carried that team as far as he could have, as far as he could have. Um, and he did a lot for them on offense without Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, Luka is going to take that team further than that team should go. But I still don't think that he alone is enough. I don't think that he can drag that team to a conference finals. I guess the other the other positive I think about like the, the Bullock edition, for instance, is that they can go more with say Porzingis doesn't pan out as you seem to expect to be what happens. You could go with a Kleba, uh, Maxi Kleba, Luka Doncic, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr. and and Reggie Bullock lineup, which I think has got some pretty good two-way versatility there. Is that a conference finals team? Again, with Luka being the best, so. if, if Luka's the best player on the floor, I think that absolutely could. Um, I think that LeBron and Jokic and Devin Booker slash Chris Paul with better supporting casts are just such clearly better teams. The Jazz are in the same boat. I just don't think Luka has enough around him. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like think Luke, he had enough around him against the Clippers, and he nearly he nearly beat them by himself last year. Yeah, he did. Um, I still don't think, even if he does that, which he didn't, by the way, um, <laughs> he came he off. Still has close. to get through another round, and I'm not sure if I'm not sure what to make of this Mavericks team around him this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can make the case that Maxi was hurt last year. Right. Um, I think it's kind of weird that they're still sticking with all the centers that they have on this roster right now, uh, bringing back Collie Stein and Boban. You know, Boban, whatever, Collie Stein was kind of a head-scratcher to me. But, like, I'm not sure how much you're going to play all those guys. Maybe you can just combine them as matching salary and turn them into something. I don't know if that something is going to be enough. Uh, I kind of thought we would see more from Dorian Finney-Smith last year than we did. You know, just kind of leveled I off. He was maybe. decent. I thought he leveled off. Um, maybe even took a slight step back from the year before. He improved as an above the break three point shooter, which I think was not a was a was a significant development. He was kind of just a corner guy the previous season, and that's fair. Yeah. You know, he he did have a more diverse shot profile, I guess you could say. But overall, like he's a guy. Reggie Bullock's yeah. a guy. Yeah. I don't call Porzingis more than a guy yeah. at this point. Especially yeah, if he can't play the five. Mm-hmm. And they clearly don't want him to play the five because they kept four centers on their roster. So, yeah. Well, I mean, and he didn't, he didn't show enough defensively as a five last no, year. No, he didn't. Which was the big drop-off for him, I thought, from compared to, like, the bubble, for instance. But, yeah, I just – I don't – Luca's going to take this team as far as it's going to go, obviously. But, like – I don't know if Luca's quite there yet in a competitive West to where he's going to drag this team to a conference finals. Yeah. Don't think it's the year. Yeah. And I mean, 
if they still had Rick Carlisle as their head coach, I would have them like at the top feel better. of the dangerous playoff team. And now I have them more at the bottom because largely of Jason Kidd and the fact that, yeah, they didn't add that secondary creator that can just give Luca a little bit of a break in those postseason moments. I would have even felt better if they had just gone out and gotten Rashawn Holmes yeah. instead of this center mess that they have. If they had just gotten a really good guy like that in Rashawn Holmes, I'd feel better about them than I do. Yeah. I guess I it's might like, be higher on Maxi Kleba than you because I really no, I like, like Maxi, Maxi Kleba, yeah. and Maxi Kleba was hurt last year. And I acknowledge that like he's going to be a legit guy this year. Yeah, um, I think having Porzingis, Maxi Kleba, and Rashawn Holmes would have been awesome, uh, rather than Dwight Powell and Willie Cauley Stein and Boban and those guys. Do they still have Dwight Powell? I, yes. I, okay. Yeah. For some reason, I thought he maybe was traded or something. No. But um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm a, I, I mean, obviously, I like Boban for the person that he is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but uh, and and I like him in a similar respect of like Enos Cantor, whereas sure. like a third center, I think he's perfect. He provides value in his role. He provides a variation of a style, like mm-hmm. where and again in that Clippers series, they kind of won Game Five in part because Boban was sort of an antidote they, to the they small had lineups. To start him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand the skepticism. The roster around Luca is obviously not optimal, but uh, I think they did maybe get a little bit better with what they did this offseason. And uh, I, I think Luca has a chance again at his age to to make a little bit of a leap as well. So let's uh, let's talk quickly about the Clippers. And you don't have them in this category. Um, uh, I had so I'll just start my four A tier. Okay, uh, my first two teams were Dallas and Los Angeles Clippers. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, and that that fourth tier is the playoff hopefuls. Mm-hmm. So you see them competing for the playoffs, but I, I yeah. see them being there. Uh, I see especially Mavericks being there. Mm-hmm. Like I think they're going to be a playoff team, obviously, but yeah, I just don't think they're in the same tier as these other teams. So the reason I have the Clippers in this dangerous category again, right near the bottom of this tier, is just like. We saw them do some pretty good stuff without Kawhi in the playoffs last year, and they're going to get Ibaka back, presumably, this time around. Um, I don't love the Bledsoe acquisition for them. And actually, I I, don't love it or dislike it. I don't like it or dislike it. Like, it is what it is. I think Bledsoe will be better for them than he was in New Orleans last year. Like, I think we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back from him. But I, I like Beverly more in a playoff setting than than uh than Bledsoe I like what Bledsoe gives them as far as a guy who attacks the rim and we talk about the rim pressure that Dennis Schroeder gives Boston Mm -hmm. I think the Clippers kind of need that too and Bledsoe gives them that type of guy yeah it's another situation though where I feel like um in a similar respect to what we talked about with DeRozan and Westbrook where he takes away a little bit when he's off the ball and then when he's on the ball is he the best guy to be on the ball? And I still would prefer to have Paul George or even Reggie Jackson with the basketball than Bledsoe. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, this team is, you know, the more I think about the Bledsoe thing, maybe I should have put them in the lower tier. Um, I actually, I think I will. <laughs> that we're talking about it. So yeah, they're officially in my lower tier. So let's just get to the, the playoff hopeful tier. And sure. now I guess I have 11 teams in this tier now. So I have two, four, six, I have eight. Okay, so Clippers are are uh, right there. I've got the New York Knicks, then the Blazers, the Raptors, the Pacers, the Grizzlies. I'm guessing you don't have this upcoming team, the Wizards. 
the Bulls, the Hornets, the Kings, and the Pelicans. Okay. I think you'll be surprised. I have the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Pacers, the Raptors, the Hornets, the Trailblazers, the Wizards, and the Pelicans. Okay. So I know I'm higher on the Wizards than you, but you still see them at least competing for that play-in. I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. I think they'll be in the mix. I I do kind of see them on the outside looking in, but I think they'll be in the mix. So, yeah, what what are these teams? uh, We can kind of go a little bit quicker. We've already been going for quite a while. Yeah, I uh, guess – yeah, my, my, my spiel on the uh, Clippers is no Kawhi, and we can move on. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely <laughs> like, think they no, look Kawhi, no Kawhi means they're not a true championship no. contender, but I still think they can. They're a playoff team without them, but not yeah, more. and in the right matchup could could win sure. a round or two. Yeah, yeah, but not more. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, let's move on. Yeah. So what uh, what team do you want to get started talking about out of this large group? Want to do the Pacers? Yeah. All right. Uh, the Pacers hope to head into this season healthy, which is a thing we haven't seen before. Um, and I think that they are solid across the board. Mm-hmm. I know you're not a big Sabonis guy, but I do still think, like, even if he's not someone who's going to lead a team, you have him with another group of just good players. I mean, looking across the board for them, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, Miles Turner, and Sabonis. It's, a, it's crazy to think that that's not a playoff team, possibly. Don't forget Chris Duarte. And Chris Duarte. <laughs> yeah. And Justin Holiday yeah. off the bench. And TJ McConnell off the bench. Like, they are a very, very deep team. Mm-hmm. Again, like – it just has so many different options. They can, I thought O'Shea Brissett was great for them at the end of last year. I think that's another guy who could play minutes for them at the four. You know, we'll see what Goga ends up being this year. But, you know, Isaiah Jackson, I really like the Isaiah Jackson pick. Again, not as somebody who I see having, like, serious even, like, starter upside. But as just another rotational big, like, I think he can play from day one and be effective. Yeah. Um yeah, I uh, I really like the Pacers, and yeah, I'm I'm not a big Sabonis guy, but that's mostly from a playoff perspective. I think he, you know, he's more of a raise your floor than raise your sure, ceiling yeah. type of player. But yeah, for the regular season, he's he's great. He'll and, he'll prop up your second units with his passing, his his ability to punish mismatches. And uh, I think like and, even what we saw the limitations be in the postseason when he was asked to again kind of be the number one guy on offense he still passed the ball and he still moved the ball really, really well. And he mm-hmm. still got assists. He still, he still shined as a playmaker. Um, and hopefully if he can play with Karis and Malcolm and TJ and have those guys, you know, help him in taking on that, you know, offensive load rather than it's just you know, a lot of it being placed on him. I think that's going to make him look a lot better. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I'm a really big fan of TJ Warren. I'm hoping he comes back and is the player that he was in the bubble. He was fantastic. Well, if that's the case, then (laughs) Indiana's a contender. (laughs) Moving up to tier two. But no, yeah, I I think this is a team that's very solid across the board. I had them fourth in this playoff hopeful tier, but I'm like, I'm pretty confident they'll, uh, you know, either be be in the playoffs or be one of those couple teams in the play and that gets home court advantage and, Mm -hmm. you know, barring them having a a key injury at the wrong time like i think they'll get in mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I, I do still want to see them like in terms of their potential playoff ceiling, commit to Turner at the five, maybe Warren at the four trade Sabonis, get some extra wing talent sure. in there. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think this team is, is pretty solid and I think they're going to be solid on both ends as well. This is pretty, this team is pretty much just the definition of solid. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm envisioning 12th on offense and 12th on defense sort of thing. Sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, they have a lot of just good players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about someone else then. Cause yeah, I think we, we covered them as well as we could have. Um, let's talk about the Raptors because the next on my list. So, this yeah. is a team that I seemingly am higher on than I think most, I think the over under for them was 36.5. I think they're going to easily surpass I would that. Probably take the over on that. I see them as like 500 and maybe slightly above that. Um, see, like I'd like to say that because I think they're going to—they're a good team. But then again, everyone is a good team this year. That's the thing. Well, and it also largely depends on the Toronto situation and whether or not they actually get to play in their home arena. If that's the case, again, I think that gives them a significant boost from where they were last year. Yeah. And obviously they they don't have Lauer anymore, but they might have Dragic. Depends if they or they could it have seems somebody. Like that if they might end up, up happening. Like he kind of yeah. apologized since and you know acted a little bit more professional than he did. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him start the season with him. Yeah, and if he doesn't, like they'll they'll get probably a, a playable him. piece mm-hmm. for him. And I like what I saw out of Malachi Flynn in summer league. I think he can step up and be a backup guard now. Hopefully. He was mm-hmm. putrid offensively last year, but he showed some 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 moments. And like they're starting five of, I would presume, of Van Fleet, Trent Jr., Ananobi, Siakam, and and what, Ken Birch? Ken Birch, or maybe they throw Scotty Barnes in there. Yeah, but that's a solid starting lineup. No, that's no, a very is. good defensive lineup. I think they're gonna get back to being um, you know, a top 10 level defense. I think offensively it might be a struggle at times, but yeah. Uh, I think they're well coached and they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to move the ball. They're going to execute. So I don't, I don't envision them being like a bottom five offense. Like they might be 20th offensively, but you know, if they're eighth defensively and 20th offensively, that puts them right around 500. I would say. I can't wait to watch this team. Yeah. They're going to be, they're going to be fun from a nerdy defensive standpoint. Like I just, I wish they would have got Justice Winslow and yeah. him to all of this. That would have been perfect. Yeah. But just length and size and switchability. And yeah, that, that projected starting lineup I mentioned, Trent Jr. might be the weakest defender. Yeah, he lineup. is. He is. <laughs> Which is crazy. Yeah. Is he solid? Yeah, he is. But you're playing with Fred Van Vliet and Scotty Barnes and Pascal and OG and – you know, I mean, Boucher is still in this in this kind of lineup here too. Like, there's just so much here. Um, and you know, the offense maybe you, you don't love the offense, but I think Malachi Flynn is going to be like a real offensive weapon off the bench. I don't want to say like weapon, but he's going to be a viable guy that you can go to. Yeah. Uh, if they keep Dragic, I think the same about him. Um, the issue with Flynn, I noticed, like especially last year, was. He struggled to make easy shots for himself. He's one of those guys, even in summer league, he made a lot of tough shots. So that's going to be the question is, 
can he improve enough to get easier looks for himself, or is he just going to make a, a lot more of I those tough I do kind shots? of think that there are some limitations there to where he is just going to kind of be a tough shot maker, but I think that's okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, like Chris Middleton is kind of the guy we look at as like the guy in that mold. He's not going to be asked to do what Chris Middleton did, so he doesn't have right. to be as good as Chris Middleton is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can just be fine. And maybe, you know, that probably will lead to some off nights for him. Um, and maybe that does hurt you, but if you keep Dragic, that helps. Um, you know, as fun as it is having Scotty Barnes and with this mix of just long, skilled forwards, I still feel like Suggs would have been the perfect guy for this team. Yeah. I think Masai is going for as much upside as possible. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think Suggs has a higher floor. But Suggs I felt just like, seems I- like he could have been the guy that literally would have stepped right in and like, I'm not going to say you wouldn't have even noticed that Lowry is gone, but it would have been a lot less obvious that Lowry's <laughs> gone if you got Suggs in there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would have been a perfectly fine fit. I think Masai was just swinging for the fence. Which I Barnes, understand. Which, yeah, because maybe Toronto never gets another even top 10 pick. Mm-hmm. That might have been the one year where mm-hmm. they really dropped. Uh, so he swung for the fences and we'll see how it works out. It'll take a few years, I'm sure, to even figure out even a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I like what Scar, I like what Barnes brings. Yeah. He fits right into what they want to do. And he's yeah. going to play point guard for him. He's going to play center for him. And he's going to play everything in between. And alongside Pascal Siakam and OG, that's going to be a nightmare to try to score on. Yeah. I think pass. I expect Pascal to have a bounce back year. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Masai talked about prior to the bubble that uh, Pascal didn't even really get to touch a basketball for the four months before the bubble. Yeah. And then you had the whole, um, you know, again, them in Tampa, that, that whole weird situation. So I'm hoping, again, presuming that Toronto gets to play at home this season, that, uh, you know, they'll just get some more consistent performances from their guys. I do think that Siakam is still a little overcast as a number one option. Yeah. Which is sure. another reason I kind of hope they got Suggs mm-hmm. because I think he would have been able to take a little bit more of that load off of him than Barnes would be able to. Did you see the the pictures of Pascal and how he's lost a decent amount of weight? I don't know if you Pascal has lost weight. Yes. No, I haven't. So it looks like he's thinned out quite a bit. We're going to look up on Twitter right now and see if we can find a Pascal picture. And uh, I'm, I'm curious how like uh, the, I suppose the thought process is he's just trying to build that quickness back up and, mm-hmm. and really attack off the dribble and start getting to the rim a bunch again. And uh, hopefully without the, the loss of mass, he can still take the the beating that he'll, that'll take when he gets there. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting sort of thing where, yeah, you see most guys thinking, oh, I'm going to bulk up to improve, but Pascal's kind of gone in the opposite direction. Yeah. I, I'll look later. I can't find anything right now. By the way, Mike Budenholzer just got a three-year extension in Milwaukee. Oh, well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Very well. Um, but, yeah, like, again, I think Toronto is a, is, is going to be a solid team, and there's just too much weird stuff going on last year. They, they the, dealt the with The weirdness factor is going to be gone. I think the center position is in a better place now. than Just having Birch all year is going to be huge. having Barnes who can step in there, not having Baines to be disappointed by. Yeah. Which, by the way, sucks for Baines, but he's probably not going to play at all this season. That just seemed like a freak incident that may have derailed the rest of his career, which obviously like, and sucks for him. Like, I hate that that happens. But. Yeah. Well, and again, like, we, we were giving Alfred Payton a hard time. This is, this is nothing like to, 
uh, you know, to talk about their character. We're purely talking about them on the basketball court. No, I'm sure Alfred Payton's a good person. Yeah, but like Aaron Baines, I think in a similar way, the Knicks improving without Payton. I think the Raptors are just going to improve by not having Baines. getting behind that (laughs) and not having to worry about it anymore. Um, So... Let's talk about the, or I guess, yeah, you pick you pick a team out of this list that uh, that sure. you're interested in discussing. How about the Hornets? Okay, yeah, I have the Hornets pretty low on. I mean, I have them in this playoff hopeful tier, but pretty pretty down near the bottom. Okay, um, are you pretty are you pretty high on their ability to make the playoffs in the East? Or are you kind of expecting them to to maybe miss out slightly? I think they're going to be a playing team, and yeah. like they're good. I also think that it's a lot easier to bank on them having poor injury luck than it is for other teams, which kind of makes me feel like maybe they are going to be on the outside looking in. LaMelo obviously dealt with a little bit in his rookie year. Uh, Gordon Hayward has dealt with a ton and it's kind of hard to bank on him being healthy next year. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm not confident they're better than they were last year. I think they're a little better. And I think purely just having, if they can have Gordon Hayward be there all season, that will be huge for yeah, but you know, personnel wise, like, yeah, like maybe, Kemba, that's a big if. Though. Yeah, and, you know, personnel wise, maybe they haven't improved a ton. Like I like Olenek for them, or no, Olenek's Detroit. Ubre. They got. Uh, I meant to say Ubre, not Olenek. Yeah. So they added right, Ubre and Plumley, right? But they I, lost I, Zeller and Devonte Graham. Yes, uh, I think that Plumley is better than Zeller. I know we've had this discussion as well. I disagree. Yeah, and. Graham always kind of seemed like the odd man out there. And I think that Ubre can just kind of fit into that whole Bridges, Washington thing they got going on there. He's certainly better defensively than Graham. I think he hurts. The, I think Graham is a better offensive player. Well, Graham's piece, definitely a yeah. better offensive player, yeah. yeah. Um, but I also think having Terry Rozier, you know, back and paid more than maybe he's worth, which, you know, but I think he is an important player to them. Um, obviously going to be, you know, starting next to LaMelo for the time being, at least that's the plan for him at this moment. Yeah. I'm not ready to say that they're a ton better, but if they just have a year where it works out with them is with injury luck. Like I think that they were probably a playoff team last year, if they were healthy all the way through. And I think that that probably applies to this year as well. Yeah, I think like prior to Hayward going down, they were like 16th on offense, 16th on defense. Yeah, kind of just average for the most part, which, yeah, that gets you right near the bottom end of the Eastern Conference playoff bracket. Yeah. Um, My other concern is, and again, we've seen this happen in the past. We saw it with, uh, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum in particular, where those guys had really impressive rookie seasons. And then the second year, it wasn't the kind of leap that there was even a little bit of regression from both of those guys. I could easily see that being the case with LaMelo. Again, I, I really like LaMelo. He was fantastic as a rookie, but it would not shock me if we see a similar LaMelo in year two, and then maybe you get a little bit bigger leaps in years three, four, and five. Yeah, I think that's fair. So, yeah, I mean, Charlotte, I... I would probably, if I had to say right now, I'd probably say they're on the outside looking in, but they'll definitely be competing to get into the plan. Um, But if I had to pick, I'd say they're probably around like 11 or 10 through 12 in the East would be my guess. But uh, I think they have a chance to get into like the eight through 10 if they're healthy. Yeah. But again, that's just not certain. Let's talk about the Memphis Grizzlies next. And you have them in this tier, right? I don't. 
Oh, I have them at the very top of my lottery tier. Okay, so I'm I'm interested to talk about this because there there was the talk that you know they made that deal with um, with uh, New Orleans where they mm-hmm. sent Valanchunas and got Adams back, and that's obviously a downgrade. Although I I think Adams is a perfectly fine center. He's, oh, he's perfectly yeah, fine. Yeah, Valanchunas was better than perfectly yes. fine, but. I would I would argue that despite that drop off, that the the youth and the internal improvement that you would expect from the rest of the roster would would outweigh that downgrade at that center spot. I would disagree. Okay. I think that Valanciunas was really important for them, and I think that Stephen Adams is a good basketball player, but he's not Valanciunas, yeah. and I think that's going to be noticed. Uh, they are hopefully going to have a full year of Jaron, which will help. Right. Uh, that, and then that, that, in that regard, like it will be important for them, but I think they got a little worse this off season. And I think the plan is clear. I like Zaire Williams for them. I think that that's a good upside play. Um, but at the end of the day, I think they, this off season, it seemed like their plan was okay. We're going to get a little bit worse this year with the next few years in mind. I think they set themselves up well for the future, um, put themselves in a position to, you know, get out. Well, they got off of Bledsoe. Um, I'm assuming they'll probably also get off of Rondo at some point. Uh, out of that last group, we'll see who they end up having to cut because they are in kind of a roster crunch right now. Uh, maybe they just part-ties with Arturu. Um, they might have to part-ties with another guy, maybe Sam Merrill as well. Maybe another – I don't even remember how many roster spots they have to clear. Uh, they did have to guarantee Sam Merrill's contract and that trade. So that would be eating his salary as well. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, losing Grayson Allen, not the end of the world, but a guy who played for you in meaningful minutes last year. I would argue though, it allows Desmond Bain to play more who I like more than and, Allen. Yeah, it does. But again, it's just about losing. You lose depth. For you sure. lose yeah. good players mm-hmm. for Sam Merrill. Who, yeah. May or may not be an NBA player. We'll have to see. Um, and then again, you got two second round picks out of that, and I understand why you did. But Zaire Williams, I think, is going to take time as like a productive NBA player. And yeah, that's that's a good point. There could be a matter of like if they're going to play him a decent amount mm-hmm. of minutes, he could bring you down a little bit just because he's a rookie, and most yeah. rookies are, especially with his uh, how raw of a skill set he has at yeah. this point. He he'll bring them down if he plays significant minutes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just – I think – I mean, I, I think Ja was their best player last year. But I also think that Jonas had a legitimate argument for being their best player. Or most valuable. Or, yeah. I mean, whatever, however you want to say it. But losing that, I think, is really going to hurt. And it's really going to show. Because I don't think that Jaron can quite replace what Jonas brought to them on offense. Uh, and I think we could see Ja take a step forward. But at the end of the day, I just think – the the goal was, and especially with all of these other teams stepping up, the goal was clear that this is not our season to, you know, make any noise. Yeah. So let's just kind of take a step back, take a flyer on Jarrett Culver, you know, take a year to develop Zaire Williams. Yeah, Culver, another guy, if he plays at all, he's going to hurt their, <laughs> hurt their <laughs> he, win-loss. He might. Yeah. I mean, you know, just collect some more assets and then plan for the future. So. I don't see them as a playoff team this year. Maybe they're again right at the bottom of that play-in tier. That's I think a high-end outcome for them. Yeah. Um, 
So I guess here's here's my argument why I, I think Memphis might still even be a little bit better. They Their identity last year was on the defensive end. As, as good as Valanchunas was on the offensive side of the ball, they won games because they were a top 10 defensive unit. And I think Adams might even be, despite being a significantly worse offensive player than Valanchunas, he might he be a little bit better defender. Yeah, he, he's a good defensive center. Jaron is good. Uh, you know, having Dylan Brooks, Jaron, and Stephen Adams on the floor is going to be a very good defensive lineup. Yeah. So I, I still think they're very capable of being a top 10 defense. And then, yeah, it's, it's a matter of like how much does losing Valanchunas versus the improvements offensively of their, of their young core make it so that are they dropping significantly on the offensive end? Mm -hmm. But again, you talk about John Moran, DeAnthony Melton, Desmond Bain, uh, you know, uh, Xavier Tillman, Jared Jackson Jr. Yeah. They're deep and they've, all of those guys are young Dylan Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. They've got so many guys that I think can improve. And I like their coach, Taylor Jenkins. I think they've got this, you know, they're they're building sort of another grit and grind sort of mentality where they outwork teams. And they're I don't think they're a fun team to play, you know, no. on a night-to-night basis. Is so, Brandon Clark gonna play? I don't know. That's an interesting one. But again, yeah, just to showcase their depth that he barely played in the postseason. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of teams, he'd be your first big off the bench. Yeah. So I like their depth. I like their defense still. I expect, you know, they've, they've got a star player in John Morant. I expect a lot more out of Jaron Jackson Jr., not only from a durability standpoint, but yes. I think he's going to have a breakout year, I think. And I'm not ready to say breakout, but I do think he's going to be very good. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're um, I don't think we're that far off, uh, but no. uh yeah, I don't think you're suggesting they're going to finish the dead end of their conference. You just you. I think they're going to be one of the first teams out of the playoffs. Yeah, and out of the play-in. All right, so yeah, who do who do you want to talk about next? Let's go to Portland. Okay, yeah, I had Portland as my number two team in this playoff hopeful tier. I expect them to be a playoff team, presuming that they keep Willard. But that's also that that could change. I had them third to last. Okay, and I now that I now that I'm looking at it again. They should probably be over Charlotte as far as like which team I expect to make the playoffs more. Mm-hmm. I just am so disappointed by what Char- or by what Portland has done this offseason. I guess it just left a bad taste in my mouth. We've um, already we've already uh, determined you're not a huge Cody Zeller guy, so that is not making a big, a big impact. Cody Zeller guy, but I actually do like him more than Cantor as the backup big, especially. You I know, probably do like him more than yeah. Cantor. I definitely like him more than Cantor. Mm-hmm. Um, so go ahead and celebrate your title now, Portland. You, <laughs> yeah. you upgraded from Cantor to Zeller. Yeah. And other than that, you made the, the, the blockbuster acquisitions of Ben McLemore and Tony Snell. Yeah. I mean, I do think that just not having Cantor and Mello on those second units, like they might be able to end maybe the rep- the replacing Terry Stotts as well as head coach with Chauncey Phillips, perhaps they might not be like 29th or 30th in defense. Like maybe, maybe they could the get personnel to... still literally isn't in place. But I mean, that, that, that starting lineup of, of Lillard, McCullum, Powell, Covington, and Nurkic actually, bad. actually had decent defensive numbers. When you look at, when you look at the advanced stats, I still don't trust that defensive lineup at all. 
I mean, I think a huge issue was the bench defense. I think that was that was a that giant was, part of why they were so bad. Lillard and McCollum were also a giant part of why they're bad. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> um, but like, it wouldn't shock me if they were, you know, 24th instead of 29th defensively this year. Sure. Um, That's still a problem. <laughs> and I still think they're going to be an elite offense. Um, they're, you know, they were second, I believe, last year behind Brooklyn. And, you know, I would, I would say they're they're likely going to be top five again. I think Lillard by himself almost gets you a top 10 offense. Um, and they've got, they've, they've still got plenty of shooting around him. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is, this team is pretty similar to where they've been the last few years. I, I'm maybe a little bit higher on them this year than I was last year, given I, I, I like the Zeller. I like the Zeller acquisition and, you know, Tony Snell, we, we make fun of him, but like he can shoot and play like, okay, defense. I mean, I'm, I'm watching Portland this year for the same reason that everyone else is watching Portland to see if Tony Snell can put up back to back 50, 50, 100 years. <laughs> yes. And you probably only have to tune in for like 28 minutes of game action to, <laughs> to, to see if that's going to be the case. <laughs> but, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think they're a solid playoff team that uh, I don't envision winning more than a round at most in the Western Conference bracket. Yeah. I guess I kind of hope that Covington and Jones Jr. could do more for them last year than they did on the defensive end. I don't think either of them were negatives. I think Jones Jr. was a clear negative on the offensive end to the point where it like, wasn't even playable. Well, and frankly, I, I thought they should have maybe used Jones Jr. in like small ball lineups as the five, and Tostach was not too experimental like, trying that sort of stuff. I don't know if that would have really worked that well though. I mean, maybe I not, but they didn't even really try it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would have either. Like one, I, they did seem content sticking with their centers. Um, which again, I, I think is a knock on stats that, you know, he trusted say Cantor as much as he did. I'm, and again, I would, I would, I guess I'll say this. I would have tried the Jones jr. At five lineups when Nurkic was out for an extended period of time. I guess you could have said screw it in the regular season and at least see how it went. But I mean, he's so thin to the point where like, I don't really see him being a viable, like I see Covington as a more viable small ball five than Derek Jones. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it would be like Covington would be your defensive five. Mm -hmm. Jones would be your offense. I guess five. in that yeah. sense, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but again, at that point, like at that point, you're just really, really small and you're still not like switchy. And you're still not good. And at that point, it's just like now you just don't have the rebounding presence of Nurkic. And it's like, yeah, I they haven't done anything to solve their defensive issues. And those are still going to be really, really bad. And again, I think they've done enough to solve the bench defensive issues. I mean, to the point where they're not going to be as problematic, but I still don't think they're going to be good. Yeah. Um. Well, and I, I guess I, I was, uh, to make fun of myself here, uh, I, I was way too high on, on Portland's defensive potential last year. Um, I thought they, with, with Covington and with Jones Jr., they might have been able to get to league average, and that was obviously not the case. way off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think they'll be, I mean, again, just not having Carmelo and, and Cantor, I think, is going to automatically make your defense better. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we can move on because, yeah, I think we're – pretty much an agreement on them uh yeah so let's talk about the uh we, we already talked about the bulls let's yes. talk about the wizards then and sure. this is a team that i'm a little bit higher on in part because 
you know, they, they, they traded out Russell Westbrook and say what you want about Spencer Dinwiddie. I think it's actually pretty close in terms of talent between the two of them. But even if he is a slight downgrade, they added a lot of depth with mm-hmm. KCP and, and Kyle Kuzma and Montrez Harrell. And they, they added the Gonzaga shooter, um, Corey Kispert, in the draft. Um, they, they've got some young guys that you hope are going to have some internal development. Um, they're, they're a team that I think is, you know, a lot deeper and isn't as reliant on Bradley Beal just doing everything. Yeah, I think they'll be fine. I think they got a little bit worse as a team in a year where, again, the East just got a lot better. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to be a bad team. Yeah, I think we could see something happening with this team to where they're just kind of stuck in the mud early on in the year. Um, You know, Bradley Beal has plenty of supporting pieces around him, but he's still the guy that's having to do a lot of stuff. Like, I mean, he's still going to be, you know, the clear number one option on this team who takes on the majority of the offensive responsibility. Uh, And and you have, uh, you know, shooters like Kispert and KCP that, you know, are new threats that you can kick it out to. I think you're kind of hoping for a bounce back year from Bertans is another offensive option. Uh, Thomas Bryant will be fun this year. If, you know, he's able to stay healthy as another floor spacing five option. Daniel Gafford, I'm, I'm really high on Daniel Gafford and, like, I think he should be their starting center this year, but <sighs> overall, I still just think it's a lot of nice pieces around Bradley Beal. Yeah. And Spencer did what he's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's as good as Russell Westbrook, but he's good. He's a okay. Number two on a team that has a chance at the playoffs. Yeah. But I do think there some team there is going to have to be a couple of teams that come to a realization by the trade deadline that like, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. And even if the wizards have a nice regular season, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs. And they have a lot of nice players on reasonable contracts. They could very easily be shipped to other teams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um... And there are going to be plenty of buyers this year. Right. Yeah. It's uh, it's, there's, there's plenty of teams that, uh, you know, I, I think a couple other teams I have in this tier in the Sacramento Kings, the New Orleans Pelicans. We, we talked earlier about would the Kings even want to sell Harrison Barnes? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I think those They've teams, shown up to this those point level that they of, haven't. Yeah, those level of teams should be looking to trade those guys mm-hmm. and get some, get some young assets if possible. I guess the difference in our opinion about this team is I think they're actually a little bit better this year. And yes, I do agree the East is improved as a whole. So maybe that sort of offsets itself a little bit. Um, but I, but I envision them being kind of in the same category where they're definitely in the play-in at the very least, and I would expect them to potentially even make it out of the play-in, but uh, or you know at least be in that final elimination game that mm-hmm. uh, to to get in. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's get to the uh, you know we I, I mentioned we also had the the Kings and the Pelicans or you had the Kings and Pelicans in this tier or no? I had the Pelicans in this tier. Okay, so I mean, feel like there's not much to say about them. They they got a new coach this year. They've got Zion, who obviously will will keep them in the hunt. Mm-hmm. But they lost uh, Lonzo, got Devonte Graham. I don't yeah. even know if I put this team in this tier because I think they have a good shot. I just think 
again, the top end talent is going to keep them good enough to where like they're yeah. not a bottom feeder and they're going to be trying for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So I put them in this tier. That's the last team, the kind of just the cutoff mark. Brandon Ingram and Zion are still going to be really good. I do. A lot of people don't like the fit with Jonas, and I understand that just because you have him and <laughs> and Zion as two of the biggest paint presences in the league. They're going to pummel teams. Though. They're going to pummel, and I think I think I think Jonas is going to work. And yeah. I, I'm not saying that like oh you know Jonas is a spacing threat. Like he's really not. He can be a trailer in fast in, in transition, and if a team leaves him wide open, he'll take the three. And that's more than Stephen Adams has given them. And I think like that will add something to their offense. Uh, losing Lonzo hurts and replacing that with Devonte Graham on offense uh, on defense rather uh, is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, for a team that needed to get better defensively, they did pretty much the exact opposite of that this off season. Yep. Um, and yeah, again, like as good as about as, much of an upgrade as Valanciunas is to Adams. It's actually a slight downgrade defensively. Yeah, a little bit maybe. Um, and that was the thing last year is they were they were great. They were better than I expected offensively, but just mm-hmm. terrible defensively. And I don't see either of those really changing. They lost. They replaced Lonzo with Devontae Grant. Yeah. And gave yeah, up like, a first round pick to do so. Well, not not a first round pick to do so, but like they gave up a first round pick for Devontae, which I thought was odd. But I mean. Would it shock you if they were like fifth on offense and thirtieth on defense? Like they could be the worst defensive team in the league. Yeah. It wouldn't yeah. surprise me. Um, so yeah, like that's why they're at the very bottom of this playoff tier mm-hmm. for me. Like I, yeah, again, as you said, the star talent maybe puts them in the conversation, but I still would expect them to miss miss out. And they've mm-hmm. still got a ton of young players that you would expect to get minutes, and hopefully that they're trying to develop. Yeah, I mean, Kyra, Trey Murphy, Trey Murphy mm-hmm. Nikhil, like. Those are all guys that I like. Yeah. I think they could turn into real players, but whether that happens this year or not, we'll see. You got to give young players minutes to actually help them develop. And all of those young guys are going to make mistakes on defense if they play. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So um, as far as the, the lottery bound tier, I have seven teams in this tier. So um, you mentioned you also had the Kings in this tier where where Mm -hmm. I had the Kings in the playoff hopeful category. I had nine teams in this tier. Okay, so the teams I had are the Spurs right at the top, uh, Minnesota, Cleveland, Detroit, Houston, OKC, and Orlando. Okay. I had Memphis, Minnesota, Sacramento, Cleveland, San Antonio, Orlando, Detroit, Houston, OKC. Right, so you had the same seven as me plus Sacramento and Memphis. Yes. Okay, so – Let's talk about the Spurs. The Spurs losing DeMar DeRozan, um, you know, I think it's going to hurt their offense a little bit, mm-hmm. but they're also going to be better defensively, and they made a big leap defensively last season. They're a team that, yeah, lacks, like, what, even a top 50 player in the NBA probably? They're, like, to me, they are Pacers West, but, like, worse across the board. Yeah. Right, because like you could at least make an argument that Sabonis or Turner or one of those guys is a top fifty guy. I don't think there's really anybody on the Spurs that you could make that argument for. No, no, there's not. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I think with Pop though, and given that I, I think they're deep, they're deep with yeah, talent. They're, they're deep. They're consistently fine. 
Yeah. And <laughs> I think with Pirtle as a defensive anchor and like, they're not going to have too many weak links on the perimeter. They're going to be an above average defensive unit. Um, but their offense is probably going to be below average. They don't have that go-to, that go-to creator. Uh, I, I do really like Derek White. I've always been a fan of him, but you sure. know, as your number, as one number one option, option, yeah, he's not, he's I'm not like Keldon good. Johnson. I, I love Keldon Johnson. Yeah. Don't love him as a number one option. Right. Or a number two option or a number three option. <laughs> I don't like any of these guys as number three options. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like a championship level team. Yeah. They have like six guys that you'd be happy with as, as your fourth, like fourth best or player. fifth starters. Yeah. 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 So I, I see them like kind of between 30 and 36 or 38 wins somewhere in that territory. Like, I see them in the 20s. You, oh, so you, you think they're going to be straight I bad? I think they're going to be bad. I, I think, think they'll they, be a little a bit better. Of than, fine players, but I don't think they're going to be a good team at all. Yeah. I just, I think their defense will get them into the 30 win plus category, but it's debatable. It's certainly debatable. Um, Minnesota. So we both had them in the lottery bound yes. category. I and think they're going to be going for it as well. A lot of people are a little bit higher. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of takes on Twitter recently of people being optimistic about Minnesota, that they're going to surprise people. I don't see it. I, again, they're another team that's like defensively, you've got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Carl Anthony Towns in your starting lineup. Yeah. And then even your two and guys. Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I don't think he's a plus defender no. at this point. But even if you were to argue that, him and Jaden McDaniels are both playing up a position defensively, which, you know, dampens their impact a How little is bit Jayden as well. McDaniels playing up a position? I envision him as the four. Isn't he going to be playing the four? Who's the starting four? Him. Why is that playing up a position? I'd say he's playing his position. I see him more as a three defensively, but... No, I see him as a four. I mean, he doesn't have the heft that you would expect out of somebody I don't think that... you need that out of a four. I mean, I, he's also young. I expect him to fill into his body a little bit more. Like, for instance, somebody playing the four as like a wing, I would think of as more like, okay, you want a Jay Crowder or an OG Ananobi or a LeBron, like that level of thick wing, whereas he's not. Well, he's that. not a thick wing, but I don't think every wing is one. Yeah. And I but, see him as more of a four, and I expect him to fill out too. Yeah. Um, but I understand the, the hype around the Timberwolves and. God, I wish they could just trade for Ben Simmons. They are my, <laughs> yeah. I've said this before. They are my number one Ben Simmons destination as to where, like, I think if they got him. Cause and him, I think, and, him and Carl Anthony Towns would be a great fit. Yes. And Anthony Edwards. I think yeah. if, if Philadelphia had any interest in D'Angelo Russell, which apparently they don't have any interest in giving him up, which I think is a mistake, but ignoring Ben Simmons, um, you're finally getting to see D'Angelo and Cat together. You haven't seen that yet, really. Um, you're, I guess, banking on, you know, a bigger year from Anthony Edwards after a really solid rookie campaign. You're getting Malik Beasley, hopefully, for a full season. I'm not going to say that I expect them to make the playoffs, but, you know, they were a team that finished the season strong last year. I think people look at the Suns and overreact to the finish that they had in the bubble and say, hey, you know, the Suns, you know, went 9-0 in the bubble, whatever it was, and they made the finals the next year. You know, the Timberwolves, maybe they can be the next team to build off of them. I don't think that they are. Like, mm-hmm. I still think they're going to be on the outside looking in, but I can understand why people think that way. Because they did have a strong finish of the year. Yeah. And Anthony Edwards is a super fun prospect, who I think 
could be even better in year two. Yeah. Um, Cat's going to be Cat. D'Angelo Russell, you just hope he can play with, you know, these guys and you can finally see how they look together. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you aren't a fan of their power forward spot at all. I think that those concerns are a little bit overblown. Not to say that it's a strength there by any stretch, but I really like Jaden McDaniels quite a bit. Yeah. Um, getting Tarian Prince is a nice, you know, depth piece there. Like, again, you're not talking world beaters here. You're not talking about great players, but like Tarian Prince is a playable power forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, I kind of like more at center, and we'll see if they even bring him back. But another guy who you can play there, maybe some. Jake Lehman still in the roster who can play that, that spot a little bit. Um, you replaced Rubio with Patrick Beverly, which I think is okay. Um, and that, you know, gives you that same level of kind of defensive toughness that Rubio gave you. So overall, I see it. I see like reasons to be optimistic about this team. So you had them, did you have them at the top of the lottery? I had them at the top. So you, I had so you them, were debating. I had them right there with Memphis as like, do I put them in the, the next tier? Yeah. And I decided not to, because again, you, you there are too many teams going for it. I can't put all of them as playoff teams. Yeah. I do think they're on the outside looking in, but I also understand the optimism and think that they could make a jump. Not saying they will, but I, I, I see the reasons why people think they could. Yeah. So like, you know, I had seven in this lottery bound category. I had San Antonio one, Minnesota two. So the, yeah, theoretically those are the two teams that I could most see being in the higher tier, but Basically, all seven of these teams, I, I feel pretty confident they're mm-hmm. going to be in the lottery. Um, I guess you know, just looking at, like, Minnesota versus San Antonio, I think any of Cat, D'Angelo Russell, or Anthony Edwards would instantly become the best player on San Antonio. Okay, but here's here's my question for you comparing those two teams. If you had to pick one team to be top ten on one end of the floor next season. Minnesota. On offense, San Antonio already was like borderline top 10, if not in the top 10 defensively last year. And they got rid of DeMar DeRozan. I think it's much more likely that San Antonio is a top 10 defense than Minnesota, who was 25th on offense last season, gets into the top 10. One, I think offense matters more than defense. And two, I still think it's Minnesota. I, I think that's a shocking statement. <laughs> I mean, we. And again, like, like Minnesota without a lot of their guys playing through the rookie struggles of Anthony Edwards that I don't think we're going to see this year. Yeah. But again, jumping from 25 to 10 is quite a leap and San Antonio, like, okay. They so maybe they were there. In the top they 10. already were there. Maybe they finish at 13th Yeah, and San Antonio finishes at ninth defensively. I mm-hmm. still think that Minnesota is a considerably better team. And then, yeah, I guess the, the other question is like, would you rather have the Spurs offense or the, Timberwolves defense, I would rather have the Spurs offense. Like in terms of ranks in the NBA, I would expect the Spurs offense to rank higher out of the 30 teams than the the Timberwolves defense would. Perhaps, but again, I still think offense matters more. And I think that they're going to be miles ahead of where the San Antonio is on offense. It's possible. Um, Not to say the defense doesn't matter. And like San Antonio or Minnesota is not going to be a good defensive team. But like, I think... San Antonio is going to be a quality defensive team and a pretty bad offensive team. Yeah, that's fair. But I would also say that there is a legitimate argument to suggest that Minnesota will just be bad on both ends like they were last year. See, I, I just don't think that they would be. Yeah. Um, and again, it all depends on health. Like 
you know, D'Angelo and Malik could miss a ton of games again. And, you know, maybe Anthony Edwards doesn't take that leap. But I think him getting off to a quiet start combined with the fact that they missed two key, key offensive engines in those two guys, um, I, I just – I expect them to be really, really good on offense this year. Yeah. Um, my other issue with, like, D'Angelo Russell, if he plays more – I feel like he'll just hurt the defense even more, even though he'll sure. build up the sure. offense. Sure, but yeah, uh, but we're talking about the offense here. Yeah, we're not talking about the defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is it is possible, and it could be that I am also I wasn't as high on Anthony Edwards coming out of the draft. So this I wasn't could be, coming out, but I've become yeah. a believer. So this could be me just being low on him, but certainly to to have any chance of them making the playoffs, it would require a pretty big leap from him mm-hmm. in year two. Um, so let's talk about your Cavs. Uh, sure. Of course, you host the uh, the Cavalier Central podcast. Uh, this team is fascinating. Like they have a starting five that actually, you know, makes some sense with moving with, into the future. Yeah, yeah. Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Mobley, and Allen. Um, yeah, that that lineup seems to be something that could theoretically work on both ends. Obviously, there's you know some some youth and some inexperience there and some development that needs to take place. The spacing isn't ideal. Yeah, you're still going to be relying a lot on Garland Sexton on offense this year. You're, those are going to be the two guys that you lean on heavily, and they are going to have to produce. And it's, they're going to have a lot asked of them. It's one of those things where it's like the front court, you feel really good about the defense, but mm-hmm. pretty bad about the offense. And then the back court, you feel pretty opposite. good about the offense and pretty bad about the yeah, defense. Yeah. Um, same thing. I think the Cavs got better. Yeah. They added Mobley and Rubio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> those are two pretty significant additions yeah like i think i would have felt this team would have been in that tier or like higher in this tier maybe even again in the the playoff hopefuls if they got one of their primary targets in free agency but they have just completely whiffed there yeah um as they, t- they tend to do in Cleveland, and, unfortunately. And, and i mean that's i'm not even blaming you know anyone in the Cavs front office for doing so like yeah. they tried and they just weren't able to land anyone that's mm-hmm. just the way it, you know they went into this offseason with fully loaded with their mid-level and they tried to use it and they just couldn't yeah and that's just the way it went um i think had they gotten a guy if they had gotten even reggie bullock you know or any of the the top tier you know alec burks even a josh hart if they had gotten one of those guys I think we're looking at this team in a much different way than we are now. Um, How do you see this team? Like, uh, do you see them as, I mean, a little better than they were last year. Yeah. But then again, with the East being better, do you see them kind of being in a similar spot win wise or at least win percentage wise, maybe a little higher, maybe a little higher because again, they did get better. They're a better team than they were. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only did they just add two pretty important pieces, we expect Garland Sexton, Okoro, Allen to all get better. Yeah. Um, it's not like they got anything out of Kevin Love last year. Anything that you get out of him this year is a bonus. Larry Nance Jr. was Larry hurt Nance for quite Jr. A while. was hurt for quite a while. You know, you're gonna be hopefully getting him back. Yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll I, see if you know Isaiah Hardenstein comes back. We'll see what they do there, you know, as far as the backup center position. Um anything but Fiondu Calvin Gale. But <laughs> we'll see yeah. I mean I still think this is a team that's in a good spot moving forward like it's far from traditional you know people don't like Mobley at the four I don't think Mobley's ready to play the five right now 
Right. I think he's going to have to play power forward reps. I think the Cavaliers realize that. And that might be good for his offensive development mm-hmm. as well. It will. It'll allow him to play more out on the perimeter. Um, not, you know, be focused on scoring in the paint, not having to run a bunch of pick and rolls. Um, you know, he can do what he's good at, which is shoot over top of guys in the mid post, facilitate from the elbows, make passes to others, uh, work on, you know, really just stretching the floor, uh, which again, we saw flashes of. So I don't expect Mobley to have like a monster rookie season. I think it's going to be a lot of learning and developing while quietly making, you know, a real impact on the defensive end. Um, I think, you know, looking at this team moving forward, hopefully they can resign Ruby on the off season, um, keep him around. And next couple of years is when you really kind of, you know, I thought there was a chance that this team maybe would break into the playoff conversation this off season. And I don't see it now. I don't see it now. Um, again, they missed out on the free agent guys they wanted and the East just got better. Yeah. Miami, Chicago, you know, Indiana, Boston, Atlanta have all Toronto, Toronto, you know, they have all solidified themselves as threats. Yeah. So let's, let's just, uh, we can kind of talk about this, these last four that I've got here in, in one sort of big chunk. Is that that, Orlando, Detroit, Houston, OKC? Yes, because these are the four teams that I presume most people will envision sort of battling it out for the number one overall pick. (laughs) Is there any any team out of those four that you you could see maybe being a little better than that? I actually have one in mind. Orlando. See, I'm actually a a little higher on Detroit. If if Cade plays great, it could be Detroit, too. It's, It's one of those two. It's I think it, the, yeah, my, my thought is Cade is one of the rare rookies that actually helps you win in your, yes, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think it could be that, mm-hmm. but I also think that you're banking on Jonathan Isaac being back. You're banking on Markel Fultz being back and that team is sneakily kind of deep. Yeah. And we also talk about Jalen Suggs as a rookie that I think will be an immediate impact guy. Um, the, the ceiling obviously isn't as high as Cade. It's not even close, but. I think that, you know, Suggs is going to be an impact, an immediate impact guy. Um, You're looking at a starting lineup of, you know, maybe him and one of the other guards. I mean, maybe you go with a three-guard lineup because you just have so many of those guys who can play right there. Yeah. Um, Isaac and Wendell Carter, like. There's a lot to work with right there. Chumo Kiki, you know, mm-hmm. maybe he's your starting wing. That's probably what I would do is I would yeah. start Okiki, Isaac, mm-hmm. and, and Carter. And you're hoping that Carter also ext- extends and spaces the floor a little bit a little with bit that front court. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, the, the the one thing about Orlando, I completely agree. I think talent-wise, yeah, they separate themselves from yeah. this pack of mm-hmm. four. But I also wonder just with the organization feeling like we need to get that guy still if they're just going to hold the team back to a certain extent. And that's a a fair guess that that does happen. Um, We've also seen Oklahoma City do that with, uh, you know, trading or letting Kemba walk. Letting Kemba walk, telling Al Horford that he's playing too well and sitting him down and saying, (laughs) relax there, buddy. Yeah. But, yeah, I think Detroit and Orlando – will be competitive to start the season because they're both decent teams. Yeah. I mean, Detroit brought in Kelly Olenek. They'd resign some of their vets, you know, Magruder, Corey Joseph, those guys aren't going to do anything, but like you're, you're keeping veterans around with the mindset of, you know, semi maintaining like a competitive culture. Right. Um, Houston, they're going to work through their bumps. 
They're going to be one of my favorite league pass teams. Oh, they're going to – I mean, John Wall, KPJ, Jalen Green, Shingun, Usman Garuba, that's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of Josh Christopher supporters out there too. I mean, yeah, they're going to be fun. They're not going to be good, but they're going to be fun. Yeah. And then I don't even know if we can call OKC fun. They're probably not. Be, no, they're going to be bad. Other than the year. occasional uh, Poku highlight. Yeah. They're going to probably shut down Shea at some point because he's going to help them win too many games and Poku will be magnificently Poku. And yeah. Well, yeah, this was uh, this was a heck of a lot of fun. We went for a long time. Probably I think we just, just passed the three-hour mark. Yep, we're so. going to definitely split this into two parts and have this out over the course of a couple of weeks. But, uh, Justin, I mean, thank you so much for, for being in person. This was so fun to, to no, talk hoops with you. It was. Live in the flesh. And uh, is there anything you want to, to promote, of course, your, your podcast, anything else you got going on? Uh, yeah, listen to Cavalier Central Pod. Um, upload schedules a little bit irregular right now, but – Plenty of episodes to listen to. If you want to just, you know, listen to anything about this offseason, you can go there. I'm on Twitter at JustinMatch26. Tweet occasionally. Nothing special, but it's there if you want to follow it. And uh, no, nothing really else I want to plug. Um, thank you for inviting me into your home and having me on your podcast. This has been fun. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. Please, if you can, if you have a moment, go to iTunes and uh, give us a rating and review, preferably five stars. And uh, if you could give any thoughts about what you like about the show, that would be much appreciated. We are also on Spotify, so uh, you can give us a rating on there as well. If you'd like to find some other content outside of this podcast, you can find... Me on Twitter, at Garrett Bougay, that's G-A-R-R-E-T-T-B-U-G-A-Y. I will be uh, tweeting various uh, NBA thoughts as well as some some thoughts on some other uh, interests of mine, including soccer and film and television. So uh, if you're looking for some of my takes throughout the the course of the week, you can find me there. You can find my co-host, Corbin Ford, on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. So uh, he uh, he does does a good job on Twitter as well. He's very active. I'm also doing uh, some work as a contributor for Rip City Project, which uh, does all things Blazers. So if you're looking for some written content, you can check those websites out. Corbin also does his own pod on the side called NBA Today. Uh, he, uh, he does some, some fun work over there, so, so please, I encourage you to check that out. But uh, thanks so much again for, for listening, and have a great rest of your day.